All right, welcome everybody. Welcome back to the first official episode. All of you 12, 13 listeners. 12, we have 13. Now? <laughs> no, really, man, surprised by the amount of feedback we got off that intro episode. A lot of a lot a lot more views than I thought. A lot more reviews, a lot more positive. A lot of, yeah, a lot of positive feedback. People reaching out. Um so we really appreciate that actually like we were we were nervous. I was nervous. I was a little bit nervous about the launch there, um, but uh, yeah, we appreciate all the love and feedback we got. So this is the first official episode of the, the Too first Many Jams episode. series. Uh, we were hoping that this main series is going to be where the main bulk of the learning comes from. I'm sure they'll get a little bit from the mini-sodes and all that, but we're going to put a lot of effort into making sure that these main episodes will teach you something. to teach you a little bit along the way. And on this week's episode, we have our friend, Cody. Very appreciative and lucky to have him come on and open up so much about his current living situation, how he got there, buying his place, what it's like having a mortgage at 25, something Trav and I know nothing about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. Yet, actually, no, we know a lot about it now because we just did this episode. Yeah, actually, I am very informed now. <laughs> In fact, we know a lot. I could, I could probably do it after this. So there's a whole lot of content. There's about an hour's worth, and it goes through everything. As we've mentioned, he's, this, he's given full numbers. He's disclosed everything front to back. So uh, set some time aside, light a candle, whatever you do when you get into your podcast zone, and uh, get ready for it because this is going to be a big one. If you already know a lot about this subject, we have laid out a table of contents in the show notes. You can you can skip to the section on down payments or mortgages, whatever you want. But it's uh, all down there in the show notes. So take a look. So uh, without further ado, jam on, Trav. Let's jam on, Garth. Let's go. All right, we're live. Okay. In the studio. Everyone good? Everyone here? Uh, yeah, we are here. Present. Present. <laughs> <laughs> um, roll call. Roll call. So we got uh, my buddy Cody. Uh, we're going to talk to him about a few things on this uh, living episode. He's a very knowledgeable guy on a certain topic of mid-20s living, I'd say. He's had his prime th- example. Prime example. Yeah, he's and had his fair share of experience, you know. Been around the block, you know. It's, he, he, he lives in a condo, and it was a bit of a journey getting there. He owns it, actually. He owns his own condo. At, are you 25 or 26? 25. 25. He owns his own condo at 25, which I think is really impressive, especially considering Toronto, where we live, is one of the most expensive cities to live in in the world. A little crazy. A little crazy. <laughs> um, but not only does he own it, he he was completely involved in the process. No one did it for him. He was involved in every decision. He knows everything about it, and he's just a generally pretty smart guy, so he's going to have a lot of... Good insight that he can provide for mm-hmm. us. And, I'm going to uh, share my best and try and, uh, you know give you guys a rough skeleton outline of if you were to do this yourself, what would be the stepping stones and what's the process? Right? And I know just briefly from speaking to him beforehand, um, you know, he touched on a lot of subjects that I was sort of unaware about. Um, Absolutely. It's not, it's not intuitive. No. And, and from an outsider's perspective, 
I think he's done a great job. So whatever he did to get there, you know. Yeah, you can obviously. There's, there's obviously different circumstances, different opportunities everyone has, but this is just how I went about it, basically. So, yeah. So, um, you know, why don't you start off by giving us a brief outline of your current living situation? So right now, October 2017, I'm going on my third year of this condo situation. Um, I'll have my 60th mortgage payment actually coming up next month. And uh, yeah, like Travis said, it's been a huge journey, been a lot to get accustomed to in the last uh, little while, but uh, you know, kind of going through the flows at this point, just kind of grinding away, chipping away at the uh, mortgage and you know, trying to save some money where I can, right? Yeah, you, you've made a massive purchase and it's a major <laughs> commitment. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you're, you're shackled to it. It becomes a, becomes a girlfriend. Why at the very beginning of it all, before we get into the process and everything, what made you all of a sudden be like, I'm going to be a prop, I guess not property owner. I'm going to be a condo owner or a house owner or an owner. I guess the whole rent versus buy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's what it basically comes down to the argument. Are you going to rent in the city or buy? And, uh, for me, I was presented with a good opportunity, but, uh, yeah, essentially, I, I graduated from Mac, um, commerce degree. and McMaster University for anyone who isn't familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of had a job lined up in the city with nowhere to live. Uh, just so happened I had a good um, in with some student housing that ended up being super, super affordable for that first job. And uh, short of the long, I lived there for just under a year and a half and was able to save up quite a bit of coin. Um, Did you know at this point you were going to save towards something? No, or you're just no, saving that, that was all just, you know, paying, I'll, I'll tell you, it was about five fifty a month for student living at, right at St. George and Bloor, which is in the annex. And uh, yeah, it was pretty unreal playing that little money to live downtown and kind of, you know, go, uh, go about my first job and all that. And, uh, like I said, that was my opportunity, the cheap student housing that really got me even in this position. So essentially, after so long, I, I kind of had the decision, am I going to do the condo right? Am I going to rent? Am I going to you know, potentially take a peek at what's out there for buying? And uh, it just seemed so overwhelming. But uh, first off was basically just asking family and friends, and it came to a real estate agent through a friend, through a, through a cousin, actually. But you realized you didn't want to rent? Well... I thought about it and, I'm, and I got way too comfortable paying five fifty. And the thought of paying twelve fifty to seventeen fifty seemed astronomical and just out of reason. Especially, that's just money going into thin air. Well, as a lot of people say, it's like throwing mo- money on a fire. Which, yeah. You know, quite literally is what you're doing because it's not going towards anything. At least with the, the the second route, you're you're paying yourself, right? So yeah, it's definitely a financially responsible situation. Like everyone knows, if you can afford to buy, you buy. Like, but not everyone can afford to buy, which is it's, why we'll get to your process and, and how you made it work. Yeah. Um, and let, like, let's, let's start that out. Let's start with the, um, you know, the, the down payment, like that's the biggest. Yeah. Factor. That, that, that for anyone is usually the biggest obstacle. And for me, that slush fund I was able to create with the student living, um, really kind of got things kickstart in the right direction. So when you're looking at for a down payment, you're looking at anything between 90,000 and up. That's, you know, now that's the current, but back for a metrop- for for, metropolis. Exactly. Yeah. For two and a half years, it was, you know, relatively less, but anyway, that was the kind of figure I'm looking at. So, you know, for me to tackle that initial hurdle was basically, can I even do this? And for me, again, I had my slush fund. I had my savings. I had the 
real opportunity of not paying OSAP coming out of school, which I know a lot of people have, and that's usually the first debt that they're going to tackle when they first get their job outside of uh, their university degree. But that's only you know two to three years of delay. When it you is. Think about it. You don't have to be 25. It is, but for most people, once they get over that debt, they don't want to go back into debt right yeah. away, right? right. So that's, True. again, opportunities, living situations, all that comes into play for for going about this. But uh, again, I had no OSAP, had a slush fund from student living, has a small inheritance. So I crunched the numbers um, and was able to actually get oral commitment from uh, my parents uh, for a, a loan to cover the rest, contractually obligated through a lawyer to pay them back. And uh, so that was that. So now I knew this was a reality. So, I, I so break down working. that 90 grand for us. Where did it Where did it come from? So mine was a little slightly less than 90. Um, but uh, again, so my slush fund came in at around just under 10. My savings on top of that were another seven and a half, eight. Slush fund being money you saved just living frugally. Just living that first year and a half in the city and not paying, you know, stupid amount of rent, right? I got you. Working full time. And then the inheritance, it was 25,000 for my grandfather. And keep in mind, I'm 22 at the time. So this inheritance money, it can't be touched until I'm either 25 or put it towards a down payment. Mm -hmm. So that was, again, contractual with the lawyer and the inheritance. And, so uh, that kind of guided you. It, it basically said, if you want to use this money, you either wait till you're 25 or you put it towards a down payment. You're right. Yeah. Right there you're right. In, in writing. Yeah. It makes your decision. It doesn't make it, but it definitely says, okay, somebody wanted me to do this with this money. Let me look yeah. into it. it. It's an incentive for sure. I mean, and it kind of makes you feel like you're you know, fulfilling the, the, the want of the, the inheritance originally. So uh, anyway, and then the rest was, again, through a loan, which was written up through a lawyer once we got to that point of buying, but uh, again, orally agreed with my parents, if you want to go through this and put the work in, i.e. going through the real estate agent, which are long hours, usually outside of work. And uh, they kind of said, if you want to put the effort in, you know, we're, we're right there to support you. So that, again, all that coming together created this opportunity. I think that's something a lot of people don't really realize is that they think, oh, you know, my parents don't have tons of money. They're not going to give me anything. If you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to do the research and put together a real contract, a real opportunity where your parents can help you, they will absolutely give you money, even if it's a bit more than they're comfortable with. They just want to know that it's a good investment. They're going to get that back. So what were the terms of that? So upon any eventual sale, pay back in full. Okay. So you can't just grease them. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's leg- it's, you know what? I'm not doing this it's, anymore. It's legally binding. They they technically own a portion of it legally. So uh, get, okay, cool. Again, I, I own majority, so it makes me the rightful. You know. And this was all uh, sort of dealt with in that uh, contract you did with the lawyer and yep. everything. Yeah, exactly. Cool. And and payback terms like loose interest. Anything there? Like- there's there's interest term on there, um, but uh, I mean. It, it's a very small figure relative to what the condo's gone up and what it could go up to. So, I mean, it's it's really just, you know, pennies really for interest, but... That's super cool. There, there is there is a form of interest on it though, so... And it's something a lot of people don't think about. If you if you really... So you, you put together about 17 grand of savings yeah. and uh, 25 grand inheritance. But again, what is that? Is that... That's three more years of savings. You know, just put it into a, a time perspective, four more years of savings maybe. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, that could be the difference of someone not doing the three years of OSAP for paying 25 grand, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, it is attainable. It's not, it's 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 a mountain, but it's not, you know, impossible, so. And like, you got a good job, but you're you're not like an investment banker pulling multi-hundreds, nope. you know, like you're, you're, you're a very, uh, you're at a good level of a reference point for someone out of college with a good job, 
what what they should be earning at about your age. You're not like a a, a unicorn. Yeah, I, I'm not in a top percentile, you know, income, mm-hmm. you know, at, at all. So I mean, no, I mean the, the when you're not paying rent, I mean, all that money is going towards your 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 property fees, right? You could live at home, like that's we're talking about you're talking about cheap living yeah so many people live in the gta or, or like their family house they live at home for four years do you think you could save 30 grand if you really work towards it yeah you, totally. you can if you're working full-time hours mm-hmm. and budget accordingly i think that's not hard e- to easier said than done because keep in mind because I, I know through friends and just my experience with it all i mean for the first time in your life, you're either not debt, you're not in school, you have disposable income. For yeah, for some people, travel. this is a radical thing. So before I really dive too deep in it, I knew going into it, I would not be able to travel the way I'd want to in my 20s. I fully accepted that going into that. Um, I kind of knew it'd be small pocket vacations, you know, maybe a city in the States or out West or, you know, maybe a short Europe trip, but, you know, nothing like the, the graduation Southeast Asia or kind of yeah. multiple months of traveling. I knew you know, metaphorically, I'm handcuffing myself to the situation for an extended period of time until I'm ready to get out of the investment, right? So it's a major fucking commitment. It's a huge commitment. So not one to be taken lightly, unless, of course, you're that unicorn that has a job or the inheritance or something that comes through that really makes it doable. Yeah. It is a major commitment and it changed your life. And I've seen it just hanging out. You have to think about things that I do not have to think about all the time. You're like, you know, Actually, I don't know if I can do that because I'm renting my apartment over that weekend for some extra money or, you know, like yeah. stuff like this. But we'll get into all that. That pretty much, that covers your your prelude, kind of. Yeah, that, that kind of takes us from the point of curiosity to the point of, you know, let's actually exercise this. So, And then that's, so we're here. You're going to make this decision. You know you're going to purchase something. Take us through the process after that decision is made to move forward. Okay, so to give you context, my initial kind of you know curiosity was more towards housing, and uh, that quickly got debunked when I found out you know the price difference on a condo and a house at the time in 2015 was about 300 grand plus difference for going with a house. And further context, there was two basically neighborhoods I could afford, and they were Greenlaw and Danforth and Dufferin and St. Clair. And if you know Toronto or the layout of Toronto, those are kind of two nowhere neighborhoods not trying to offend anyone but like not accessible from the highway you know and uh and yeah so that kind of very it, it was basically it you didn't bo- want to live there it boxed me in desirable to a non-desirable places. living situation yeah. it was a commitment right it was and you know multiple roommates being involved with paying the bills it was just a lot more moving parts so to speak than going with a condo which is kind of you pay your condo fees and it's peace of mind right and uh, do you want to touch on uh, going with a real estate agent? You know, when you decide. No, absolutely. To- so again, I think I mentioned before. Um, I had a family friend, real estate agent, referred to me. New to the game, kind of had her territories, her pockets that she was been exposed to, have kind of worked in, and uh, it was okay. Initial exposure of just you know going through the motion with a real estate agent, going to multiple listings, you know, reviewing them later on. Like, that was all a good kind of initial exposure, but. I quickly realized the house thing wasn't for me. This girl couldn't really do the condo thing for me. Well, it's interesting because how do you how do you do that? Like you're you're looking for a place. I think we all have five or six friends that are doing real estate at a school. No, absolutely. And as you said, Robbie, I could point out a couple. Yeah, they take it personally if you don't use them, but yet they're new. They probably suck. No joke. How do you tell them? You know, no and stuff like that. I, I mean. 
you're appreciative either way because they're helping you. Know, they're you. helping yeah. you, right? But um, and they might not suck. Who knows? But how'd you find the one you ended up with? So I tried a couple. I ended up using the third one. The first one being that that family friend. Second one. Second one. Um, you'll find this in general at anyone that's gone through this process, even kind of entertain the idea. They are very pushy for you to go outside your your comfort zone, your your bracket, your budget, the thing that you've kind of put together going into this process, and uh, it gets a little nerve wracking. It's kind of puts you on edge with kind of him pushing you and you not really knowing what to say, and kind of you say yes, he takes you to this place, and uh, it anyway, it's a little this, uncomfortable. It it is, and the second guy I, I quickly got rid of because it was a couple weekends with him where I kind of said this is supposed to be somewhat enjoyable, kind of looking at these things. And he was pushing you. And he was pushing me. So the third guy was a friend of a friend referral, uh, loosely. And um, he was good. He was a good in-between of kind of pushing me to make a right business choice with, you know, what I was going to buy. And also just being very, very honest with the neighborhoods I was looking at in terms of, you know, any dominant ethnicities or age groups and, uh, you know. Major factors, construction. It was. It was. And he kind of realized, you know, I'm a young 20-year-old. I kind of want to be where where it's happening, right? I'm curious how you moved on from your, you know, your family friend being the first real estate agent. Yeah. How did did you break it to them that you you weren't going to move forward with? Well, I mean, it wasn't a really clear, like, I'm done looking. It was more just like. More things fizzled. (laughs) uh, Fizzled's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, fuck. What was I going to say? So your recommendation is definitely realtor. Just be conscious of their goals. Yes. There's there's cases of, of realtors that can really screw you over. So referrals are a great way. Referrals are good. Um, I think, like I said, any they'll there'll be some form of pushing pushiness. I mean, to any degree, but, but just be aware of it. Yeah, be aware of it. And, and you're not stuck with them. As no, no, you're not. No. Yeah, there's no binding. They're working. Maybe. They're working for you. So. Yeah. No, I, I like that a lot. Uh, that's really informative. Th- these are things I wouldn't know. Um, so we're here. You have a realtor. You've you've pushed past the housing the housing for you know a couple reasons. For a what few reasons. Yeah. Are the considerations now you're shopping for condos? What are the major things to look for that maybe we wouldn't know about? So now I'm breaking down listings a little differently. With a house, it was kind of you're looking for the square footage, you kind of upkeep maintenance, and uh, you know the neighborhood surroundings, right? With a condo. It was a more of a variable breakdown with uh, a few things, and uh, I'll list them. So basically, it's a, a property taxes is one that's clearly listed, um, and you can see the year to year change. Uh, condo fees, which are more formally called maintenance fees, you can see the year to year difference on those. And then the biggest thing where was, where are you seeing this? This is all on the listing. So the listing the will listing, basically okay. be uh, the picture of the condo. Um, the address, the year it was built. There'll be numerous details that are all consistent across listings. Like, mm-hmm. like this is a this is a public listing. No, or I think it's a real estate. Or, it's the, it's the or realtor you have listing. to like uh, show interest to see the realtors can see this database. Yeah, okay. or you can pay, I guess, services sometimes to access it. Is that well? No, that no. Basically, like you know, the more time you spend with the real estate agent, the more you kind of get on the same page, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. That's the goal. And and if you know you're not getting on the same page, that w- that's when you can kind of. You know, take a hike with it, right? No, I'm just saying to see these listings, it's listed in a in a special place that only realtors can access. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like not anyone can just go on and like get all this information and stuff. You actually have no. to sort of connect with someone and then that would that would be see. if someone was selling without using a realtor, selling it okay. pri- privately. But no, no like it, like there are if you go to any condo, any house, even there's for sale. That's there's lock boxes in the in the lobby that are only accessible by basically realtors for sure. But um, anyway, um, interesting. But okay, continue. Yeah. 
So, it was and, it was considerations. Um, so you talked about maintenance fees. Yeah. So uh, maintenance fees and uh, property taxes. Those, those are the big one too. The third one that isn't very prominent because you're not you're not paying it formally is the reserve fund. Now the reserve fund is a number that is with any condo, and it's basically the wealth of the condo. It's basically the you know how much wealth collectively as savings is the condo worth. And you want a fairly high reserve fund. Um, I just found out at a recent meeting that um, a good average staff is about one point eight million. Now, what's what's considered a low reserve fund? Um, mine, for example, is one point three two. So it's a little bit below average, but gener- for, but size and, and location are all factors. Rent, rent absolutely, values, yeah. absolutely. The bigger the condo, the bigger the reserve fund. The more units, the more the reserve fund should cover, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is all included in property. Our maintenance fees or property no, taxes this that you're is paying? No, three what? separate different things. So, so reserve fund is separate. It's at the bottom. And again, it's it's not, for some people, it's not as critical, but, and and some realtors, like, you know, stress it more. But um, yeah, it, it's basically something you really want to be cautious of because if you see a reserve fund steadily going down or you see that it's a v- fairly small reserve fund, just make sure you ask your realtor why this is or, you know, he should have some backing information on it. Think of the reserve fund as basically an emergency slush fund for the condo. If there's a natural disaster or a roof that needed severe repairs, that's when you would access it. It might get skimmed from the top here and there for minor things. Like, for example, we changed over our parking lights to fluorescent. And they use a reserve fund they for that. A little and you're bit. notified every time the reserve fund yes. is used. Do you yes. vote on it? Is, is it the board that kind of handles that? You trust them to... to... You, you vote in... Uh, directors to the board uh there's a condo president um there's a yearly annual meeting for the owners but there's also meetings that go on behind closed doors where the minutes are logged so you you if you want to pay attention to it you're able to did you look into the people who built the condo at all the reputation i looked at the year i didn't look at who built it and i actually should have that's a good point you bring up because uh, i just recently had to go through a one-off um condo reservation um basically fee which was eighteen hundred dollars and that was re- Renov- re- re- sorry a renovation fee renovation fee. okay got you and that was to basically replace the shoddy work that was done nine years ago in the hallways for the drywall the carpeting the drywall was or the uh they charged all tenants this all the owners yeah yeah so the, the the wallpaper was actually peeling off it was so bad wow yeah so they dipped into the reserve fund for well the- no that was last year's meeting are we going to dip in the reserve fund or you guys want to pay this so and it ended up being that a mix, a little bit of mix. We uh, the reserve fund paid for about less than thirty percent of it. So you got a bill then. You guys each got a bill. We got a bill based on square footage. And cool. at the end of the day, the, the hallways turned out great. It increased the entire you know value of every yeah. every condo unit. Yeah, it's like an it's an investment in landscaping. If you own a home, like curb appeal, all that, it's on the same par. Like you, you might get a return out of the actual money they charge you down the line. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Um, but anyway, like that's yeah. enough on the. Yeah, we're we're diving pretty deep in the reserve. Yeah, fund, it's just a, <laughs> anyway, um, that, that was just supposed to be one of the three things I was looking at for these listings. So I ended up uh, going with uh, a lower penthouse unit that was at a decent value at the time, and um, been no regrets. No regrets. Not even a single letter. <laughs> None. <laughs> um, okay, so so was parking were, were any of these things a major issue? Like yeah, so on on these listings as well. I mean, it's a very very comprehensive breakdown in terms of address, building year. Again, those three variables: reserve fund, 
property taxes and maintenance fees. It would also list if the condo unit came with a parking spot, which it did. You could value anywhere in the city between five and twelve grand because you. Well, I've heard more. Like that's I thought no, that was pretty yeah. good. I've I mean, heard like, like fifty grand. Oh, so it comes with it, and you can rent it out as an owner. Yeah, I mean, I use it, but because yeah. I live there, it's my primary residence. But yes, you could rent it out. You could use it for your tenants' parking. You could do whatever you want. It's a piece of pavement that you technically own down at City Hall. But he said, like, you can use its value, meaning like you can value it into the actual. Yes. Like, if you're buying something for four fifty and it comes with a parking spot, you, you can compare it to something. You could inflate that by yeah, call it ten thousand or something. Cool. Yeah. Um, additionally, I was able to get a storage locker, which nice. not every unit came with, and. Uh, and yeah, this Do was. You use that a lot. You need it. I play a lot of hockey and golf, so yeah, so it, it turned Honda out very handy. I, I know a lot of friends that keep their hockey bag. Uh, I was just about to say that's exactly where my hockey in their bag condos. Would go. And uh, imagine how cramped a condo would get if you had to keep your hockey, your golf in there. Usually, for two, on, you, usually on the memories. balcony. Plus, you're trying to air it out and, and a stuff. bike. It's, you put your bike in the storage. Everything's in there. Yeah. Okay. Storage. Yeah. I'd say if you can it's afford clutch. it. Clutch. Yeah. It, it is a huge plus. I mean, you're kind of stuck with the alternative again of putting it in your condo on your condo balcony or in front of your car or you know just leaving it in your car. So yeah. Okay. So fuck that. Anyway. Um, um, <laughs> yeah. So let's. I think let's get into the scaries now. Let's get into the the mortgage because <laughs> that's what that's what. That's what's insane. Like, I guess as an owner, you have the extra considerations that the tenant doesn't have to deal with. The tenant does not have to deal with these meetings, the, the reserve fund, any of these renovations. They just sit pretty there. Um, but at the end of the day, the mortgage is what you're paying. That's just basically going into a bank account instead of being burned. Yes. So my my situation with my mortgage, I got a little, not greedy, but I got a little excited with how large a payments I wanted. And basically, um, I was paying a variable percentage, which I would not suggest now, given the current bank situation. But at the time, it was... So your rates actually went down since you got your mortgage? I got in the market... And, or sorry, they went up. Uh, I, I initially got in the market in May 2015. Variable bank rates were 205, which people would freak at right now. And uh, it was a variable, and I was able to pay 205 on my mortgage right up until... About 15 months later, and uh, I got the notification from the bank that your mortgage is going to go up to 2.35 uh, or 3.9. So even going up a few parts of a percent is going to cost a lot. It's, it's going to it's going to make you reconsider things. So what I had the, had the decision of is do I keep rolling the dice with the variable, which is still, if you're going to go into a fix, it's usually much higher. But you can lock it in. But like, you can lock it in. So I assessed things and kind of banked on it's only going to go up. It's not going to go down. So um, essentially I locked into a five-year, which got me at 2.49, which I'm very happy with because right yeah. now I think the fix is around 4.9. And Oh, uh, shit. It do almost doubled. Yes. Wow. Or that, did double. that only happened in the last couple months. Okay. Well, good moves. So your mortgage payment per month was what, sorry? Well, I was. it went from 205 variable to 2.49 fixed. So like as a, as a total dollar amount, uh, it went from like seven forty eight to seven ninety seven. So seven ninety seven a month every two weeks. Every two weeks, okay. So we're we're in the like fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred dollars a month. Yeah, territory. I mean, uh, again, you can make that as low as you want. I just got a little ambitious with uh, how big of payments I want to be doing. It makes your mortgage shorter, though, right? You're you're paying it. So of that, call it eight hundred for even numbers. Yeah. Uh, only five hundred of that's really getting chipped off your mortgage. Three hundred is going right to the bank. In interest. Uh, 
and interest, and which is very discouraging when you kind of first make that first mortgage payment. But um, that's the reality of, of going with this. But is it front-loaded interest? Is that why? Like, is that going to change over time? Because uh, re- like 300 is not 2.5% of... No, 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 no. Yeah, like you're paying initial interest off in the, in the get-go. Yeah. That, that for the, basically the first five years. So how long is your mortgage? 25 years. So you're going to be, unless you, unless you hit the big monies... And is that... Um, or you could sell it, is it <laughs> if the markets are good. Is is that length? Um, you know, is that is that short or is that long? Compared that, that, that's to like- fairly long. Um, I mean, I think the max is thirty, if I'm not mistaken. You can you can double check that, but it, it's up there. I mean, most people do a twenty year. Okay. And with that, um, the down payment. What what was the down payment for a first time mortgage uh, in Canada with a Canadian bank? Like percentage wise, what was required and what did you choose to do? Uh, I think with the condo, it was 15 or 18%. That's what your required was? And did yeah. you do the requirement or did you go a little bit above? Uh, I think I did a hair above, like okay. a, an, a slight hair. I got you. And th- yeah. this is all, like, this is stuff that a 20-something is not taught. Yeah. In school, a, a mor- I'm learning a, a lot right now. A, mor- <laughs> a mortgage can be a taboo <laughs> thing. And yeah, until you really consider it, it's just kind of like, you know, a, the boogeyman. Like, did you shop banks at all? I stayed with TD. I've been doing it my whole okay. life, and uh, again, the banking's two- comfortable there too. Banking is quite comfortable there, and uh, <laughs> the two hundred five was just way too enticing. I mean, it was very, it was a very competitive rate then, and uh, no, I had no regrets with doing that. So, um, so could you explain a little bit more about this uh, initial like three hundred dollars going to the bank as in five hundred going to your mortgage? Like, can you break so, that down a little bit? So basically, if, if everyone here is familiar with online banking, you have your your credit and your checking, right? So this is an added line, your credit just underneath your visa. So it's a lump sum number. So every time I look at my online banking, there's a number that says- You see like a half a million bucks sitting there. Well, and I mean, two and a half years ago, it was 354,000. Yeah. Right now it's about 319,000. That must be so daunting to look at. It is, it is. It was like overwhelming. It was like, holy, like this number is chained to me. Like, and I want this to go down. I want it to go down. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, so every two weeks, basically, I will see $500 chipped off that lump sum number and, you know, 800 goes out of my checking. So the difference of 300 just vanishes. Um, yeah. So again, we don't need to go into the, the, the too much technical on how Yeah, we're getting a little nitty gritty here. But. It is super nitty gritty. Let's talk about your total monthly spend then as a condo owner. Like include things that, that it's like, oh, I find my, like if you find yourself using transit or yeah. Ubers a lot, like... What is groceries? Your, yeah, like, like what's your monthly spend as a as a Torontonian owning a place in a decent downtown condo? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I I do a simple I do a simple kind of uh, breakdown, which is uh, kind of just fixed expenses and variable expenses. Yeah, you obviously keep track of this. Like, I keep track. You are you are going to start checking your online banking more than your Facebook. I'm sorry to say. But uh, like yeah, you need a budget. You need to be completely you, in control. You, uh, if you don't have control, then uh, very quickly you could be uh, in a very, very bad situation. And it, and if your your credit line is everything, by the way. So I mean, if you if you're a first time home buyer, you really want this to go smooth and approve to the bank that like you know you got this. So uh, yeah, I have a very religious um, basically template that I use, and I probably update it minimum once a day. Uh, and it could be when I'm in the office and when I'm home, whatever. Um, but essentially, it's just variable and fixed expenses. And then my 
in income. So uh, I'll, I'll quickly go through the fix. I won't bore you guys. So basically, I have Hydro, which comes in at uh, around 50 bucks a month. My condo fees, uh, my property taxes, my condo insurance, my life insurance, uh, my internet, uh, my mortgage payments, cable, my monthly fee for my uh, my TD account. Uh, I pay half my cell phone bill currently, uh, my car insurance, and uh, that is my fix. So those numbers don't change. Every month I'm paying the same thing. Uh, my income is basically just from work. Um, I get a salary plus commission, and uh, I do a few odd job things, help buddies, you know, a bit of cash. So you you know you track that. You you kind of know untaxed income that you've gotten, right? Uh, now a big one for some people, which this may sound intriguing, it may scare you off, but is Airbnb. So in the last calendar year, I've discovered Airbnb hosting to be quite good for kind of paying for leisure stuff and kind of having a little more in the in the bank. And uh, my fun money, my fun money, and uh, I found the experience fairly good. Um, it's kind of been a no problem scenario so far, at least. So I'm now actually in the super host status, which uh, actually gives me a broader reach for who I'm, you know, being uh, looked at by, and those include kind of uh, businesses that you know usually write things off. I didn't even know they had that. Yeah, no. I, I guess it kind of held holds you accountable as well for like keeping your place clean yeah. and stuff. And you know, from my experience personally using Airbnb, I I generally find uh, the the people I've stayed with um, have been, or even people where I've like tried to book their places and stuff, they've been extremely helpful and yeah. like caring. You know, trying to. Well, I did see this one article today. I don't know if you guys saw it. Where that uh, Airbnb was caught, he put like voyeuristic cams <laughs> all over his place <laughs> in Florida. So like, there's like a couple in the bedroom, and uh, they like notice a camera, and they're like, "We've had sex multiple times," <laughs> and this camera's here. So they called the cops, and the guy's now under charges for like criminal voyeurism and like like stuff like that. Or I forgot the charges. Sure, wasn't the first. So if you guys ever rented Airbnb. Like if you see any teddy bears around the room or uh, chargers that that like why is there a charger there? It could be a hidden camera. Do do a quick scan. Do we'll a quick get scan. Airbnb rooms. <laughs> Some crazy people out there, and don't go to Florida. That's where this was. I feel like Florida is a number one place if you're going to get something fucked happen to you. <laughs> Florida notorious a voyeurism. <laughs> yeah, some guys just cranking it in the closet somewhere. I wouldn't even be that angry to be honest. If he was just using it for personal use. Whatever. Vital entertainment. Well, if, if, for I, him, if I found know. it up on some porn website, yeah, <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> as long as you put on a good performance, then. Yeah, true. Fair. You know, if I'm getting good publicity, I could let that ride a little bit. It's not your fault. You become Kim Kardashian. Any publicity is good publicity. Unless there's a bad performance. Unless there's a bad. But anyway, so, so your monthly, we're a bit off topic here, your monthly spend, and I guess maybe not even including your car insurance because you've had some auto incidents that's made yours particularly large. Yeah. So I'd say just without the the auto, what is your monthly fixed? Uh, so for the year, it came in last year at 39800 Okay. Well, just because I'm slow, what, what was that monthly then? Uh, that monthly was my fixed. This is talking about fixed uh, expenses, right? Yeah. Minus the car insurance, uh, a pimple over three thousand a month. 
for a month. Okay, not that yeah. bad. So you're yeah. you're around the three thousand range. That's without car insurance. So if you want to add on car insurance, call it thirty two hundred for fixed. Or Ubers in that at that range. You know, maybe you have two two hundred dollars in Ubers a month to get Tra- around. You could, you could mark this under transportation, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, again, that would again fall under variable. This is just what you're paying on a monthly basis that you know won't change. So these dates start to take on a meaning. I mean, I know. You know, the second of every month is condo fee day. I know, you know, every payday is mortgage payday. They, the days start to, you know, every day is symbolic almost. And <laughs> You have um, a little celebration. Yeah, exactly. So, again, that's fixed expenses. Uh, I'm rambling. Uh, I, I ver- think, go, go ahead. Variable expenses, you're looking pretty simply. I mean, you can categorize them any way you want, but uh, I got groceries, um, eating out, which can be anything from, you know, your Tim's in the morning to going into a nice dinner and, you know, Depends how many dates you get that, that yourself. month, right? Well, how well are you doing on Bumble and Tinder? There, there is a dates category. <laughs> um, I got miscellaneous, which could be kind of you know the ambiguous kind of expensing. Uh, golf slash sports, uh, LCBO. You got to kind of categorize if you're gonna you know enjoy yourself in Toronto. Yeah, if you can get lit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got one category for variable expenses, just called drinks, cabs, and cover kind of covers your night out expenses, you know, Friday to Sunday. Um, gas, as I mentioned, uh, is, is variable. I, I spend anywhere from kind of 60 to a hundred bucks a month on gas, which is half decent. Anyway, variable expenses for me come in usually around 1100 a month. If I can get it under a thousand, that's me kind of being a quiet person for that month. And for for a thousand bucks, what's your quality of life like? Are you are you feeling yourself tight at some points or are you kind of like going out when you want to go out Uber and when you want to Uber drink and when you want to drink? Uh, Is this something you're thinking about all the time? Or? You're, you're conscious of it. So I mean, uh, you try and go try and go going out economically as possible. I mean, in the summer is great because you can walk everywhere. Um, you know, you can pre-drink late and just roll into a club, no coat check. You know, that's you can manage that in the winter when you want to cab everyone when it's absolutely freezing out. I mean, that's that's another Fuck story. Fuck the but, winter. Oh, yeah. my God. Going out in the winter is the worst. I think oh, I might not crazy. do it anymore. <laughs> might just sit this one out. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> just, just sit this one out, guys. You, you want to go tonight, Rob? No, nah, I'm hibernating. I'm this winter out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in, uh, in the spring. So as a young man owning a condo, your monthly spend floats around the four to five thousand dollar range, yes. depending on seasons. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Is that's, that that's, that's heavy? Well, I'm just looking at what I profited last year with what I made income wise, including the Airbnb stuff. I profited sixty nine hundred dollars total after all your incomes after everything. So in order to live this lifestyle, you know, just to live that and not take any vacations and any of that you need to be making 60 to 70 thousand dollars a year because of taxes high high 50s to yes definitely the 70s would be kind of you know if you were to kind and and this is living the kind of life where i i I golf 25 times a summer i play hockey twice a week no and you can trust me out there you can do cheaper you can absolutely do cheaper he lives prime central downtown we're talking about you know, use this as a reference point. You can definitely go higher, but this—he lives in a, a lower penthouse in a in a prime downtown area. You could probably shave twenty percent off this. It goes up about ten grand per floor when you're looking. By the way, really, like, a, about some twelve. Yeah, and you're you're close. You're thirty stories up. So at the time, the difference of buying a first floor versus what I ended up buying was yeah, like one hundred and fifty grand. Is oh, the man. view worth worth one hundred fifty grand? 
I can look at that view the rest of my life. Yeah, <laughs> it's, that's amazing, to be honest. He literally watches an airport take off and land. You got the waterfront in the summertime. It looks like Miami. You can look Sweet at- Sweet balcony, too. It's like- it's I, I would hang out there drinking. <laughs> In fact, every we do day, all day <laughs> summer. I think we spent forty eight hours there last weekend, <laughs> which gets us into our next point. So we've been through the nitty gritties. You now own a condo, and as a you're now a twenty five year old. You have friends that are twenty five, most of which are living at home. How, like, if, well, first of all, let's just say any regrets. Would you do anything differently? Given how the market's panned out and just kind of how everything has panned out in my personal life, no regrets. Ab- absolutely none. I mean... Uh, same. We go to the same place if you could do it all over again? Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to have traveled a little more in the last two and a half years as I'm watching countless Instagram photos of friends. And like, I reference Southeast Asia as kind of the big long trip, but uh, just people going out west for a month or, or doing whatever, right? I mean... But you're profiting. So you have savings that you can technically slide towards something. Yeah, you know you're not you're not you're not out of that category yet. You can do an Asia trip for sixty five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more. I mean, if I was just to not live there and not work for a month, would just be kind of devastating because the money wouldn't come in. Well, that's three grand. Yeah, and then the vacation. So the double whammy, right? I tried to make Australia work last year actually, and uh, I number crunched. I number crunched. I thought I had it, but then just. It's a very spread out country, so I found there's a lot of planes I'd be having to take, and it yeah, added, it added up. It's quick. a long ways away. It added up very quick. Um, and but so is your spot the pre spot? Do you find yourself forced to host? Is there uncomfortable? Like, what's this like? I got no problem with it kind of being the pre spot, and I've kind of enjoyed it actually. I like people coming to me versus going to them. <laughs> I'm about that too. I love having that at having school. a hub. Yeah, we lived at the frat house, so every party was there. Every pre, yeah, everybody comes to you. It makes it so easy. I would roll out of bed, <laughs> just slink into the shower ten minutes before parties, scoot downstairs. It was amazing. But has there been any funny stories? Like, like has there been any horror stories living in a condo? Anything funny? Like, just a, like what's been going on? Ah, the first night was good. The first night was basically me having an absolute celebration of buying a condo at, you know, at the time 22. Yeah. And, um, everyone came over, everyone was in good spirits. My one buddy, unfortunately, Amr, he, uh, had recently just name ended- dropped Amr, just yeah. lit him up <laughs> like so- that. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. And he had just broken up with his girlfriend at the time who had been dating quite a while. And it was a long distance relationship. And, Oh, those always work. That's yeah. So odd. Yeah. When you break them over phone, it's <laughs> a long distance thing. Uh, I've never heard of one of those failing. Yeah. That's ironic. <laughs> um, he, so yeah, he was, he was fairly devastated. He was happy for me. He was fairly devastated though at that night threw a bottle of wine down his throat on an empty stomach and, um, the inevitable happened with him yakking. Unfortunately, it was off my balcony. This was everyone. This was Almer, by the way, <laughs> just to clarify, <laughs> this was off my balcony onto my brand new neighbor's balcony below me two two floors down. And <laughs> it was like the exorcist vial coming out of Almer. The first day you ruined your bottom neighbor's balcony. The very first night. Wow. So how, uh, was it the next morning you received a call from like, what do you get little, Notice it, under it, the definitely, door, it definitely made the night a bit of a buzzkill, but we laughed. <laughs> and um, yeah, I did have to deal with it the next day. I, I had to buy a Molly made and, you know, the stain's still there. <laughs> <laughs> what, like a Molly made like that hangs over balconies? And no. <laughs> no, 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 no. This was... Uh, yeah, she parachuted in and <laughs> swept it up. If you can picture it, it's basically like a 200 square foot balcony. This thing's huge. Yeah. So it overhanged more than... it. it 
His puke might have missed if it wasn't such a big balcony. Yeah, buy a smaller balcony if you don't want to get puked Come on, on. Come on buddy. <laughs> But so wait, so that that's the first night. What happens to you? Do you talk to the, the condo people? So that, that was my first night, and they obviously knew I was a brand new owner slash tenant of the building. And, like, oh, um, fuck. New guy. Yeah, new that, guy. that's kind of the, what their attitude was like. And I had, a, I had a brief sit down with the condo management, and they kind of gave me the rundown that, look, we know you're a young condo owner, and... Uh, Things, yeah, damn right, I'm 22. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I'll puke wherever I want. <laughs> Things happen, and they they were rational, but uh, obviously I had to take care of the situation and kind of prove to them that I'm not some, you know, absolute party animal. And how'd that go? Wink. Because we've had a lot of parties there. <laughs> it kept me cautious. It kept me uh, conscious of you know neighbors around me, people. You know, flicking cigarette butts or it must have been a little hard going back on that as you know as your first reputation it well, was like, it, it you know how did it have you, has it affect your relationship with your neighbors at all like how any like anything happened there well the other thing but the president of the condo lives a floor below me <laughs> that's who you puked on that was the no balcony. no no so this, this balcony i was describing the 200 square foot it was I think the 28th or 29th floor, I'm, the, I'm on the 31. And it just, all of them were symmetrical with how, you know, the length of the balconies. But this one just overhung, you know. Ah, a little puke catcher. Uh, floor, floor, <laughs> it overhung from floor 28 to 20. So Classic puke catcher. Yeah, man. So where would you like them to puke? <laughs> Anywhere but off my balcony. Because I've puked at your place. Many have. I, I just sent it down the toilet like a respectable <laughs> puker. That was after that concert. It was like a Wednesday night at like 10.30. We fired up a bit too hard. Yeah. I couldn't get home. <laughs> I couldn't look, look at my phone. It was like a, it was like ten thirty on a Wednesday, and I couldn't make it home. <laughs> what, one of those ones where you have to like close one eye to Dude, see straight. Closing one eye, and I was still seeing double. I don't know how that works. <laughs> you got to hold on to something too. I was holding. I was I was on all fours. Trying to make my Uber app work, and then I was like, you know what? I gotta pull trigger. <laughs> so I went to Pierce's bathroom. I hope he doesn't. Yeah, I think I was cleanly. I think McCarroll's done it a few times. So yeah, but he's a he's a chronic seasoned puker. Oh yeah, he knows what he's doing. He'll find a he'll find a receptacle. <laughs> or the puke catcher. <laughs> or yeah, I hear there's a nice balcony to puke <laughs> on. <laughs> I'm gonna send one. Um, is there anything? Yeah, I think honestly, I'm so informed. Well, that's what it was supposed to be. I mean, there was in between all that, there is some rock star stories, but, uh, you know. Yeah, we can, you know, we, can we don't need to get into we that. Can, we can dive into that another time. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm, I I totally get it now. I, I, can, I can visualize the process, and it actually makes me also visualize how far <laughs> away <laughs> <laughs> I am from getting to that point. Totally. Uh, totally. But, um, you know, we'll talk about our situation in a different cast. Um and we'll talk to people who are living at home who are saving. And it just like, I, I don't know if we've said it in the podcast, but Robbie and I both still live at home, but yep. we're not saving for anything <laughs> because I just have a feeling in my gut that I'm just going to hit a lump sum jackpot at some point <laughs> down the road. Um, no, but all jokes aside, we'll get into all that in a different episode. And like, Cody, thanks so much for taking an hour out of your time for this. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been extremely informative. Not anytime, guys. Wow, so there it was, the big condo story. It's a lot. There's a lot to take in there, but Cody really shelled out for us and provided a lot of good info. So. Yeah, we hope you, uh, you, we hope you learned as much as we did. What would be your big takeaway there, Roberto? So my big takeaway would have to be, <clears throat> it's, I mean, it's understood that 
buying a condo is no easy task. You put a lot of time and effort into it. And Cody has, uh, you know, like through that interview, it's, it's apparent that he puts enough work into it to get himself in a good situation, but just him giving the concrete numbers really, really helped out and, uh, kind of opened my eyes a little more to the whole situation. So that was your big takeaway, seeing the numbers. And I agree with that, man, having that, having the actual figures on the lawn to shoot for, I like that a lot. And, and you know what, it, it really breaks it down. Um, even if you don't have the inheritance or the help from your parents, you see that figure and you're like, okay, what can I do to get that? Whether it's working another job or saving up. Because um, usually when people our age buy a condo or something, I find ourselves dismissing it so easily and being like, oh, maybe they got help or whatever. Yeah, it's overlooked. It's overlooked, but but you can you can make it happen no matter your scenario. But we're not necessarily saying that, that buying a condo is the right move. Um, in fact, for people like Robbie or myself, uh, with our path being not as set in stone yet, we don't know if we're going to be living in Toronto next year or what career we're going to be on. So, you know, you have to keep that in mind. We're not recommending it. Also, the markets might not be there, uh, which is why in the next episode, we're going to touch on a lot of these topics. Yeah. So next episode, we're going to continue with the same theme here, living situations. And we're going to hear from some Toronto real estate experts. We're going to speak to some people that are our age currently, uh, that are currently renting places people who are not our age, uh, renting places as well. Yeah, and, a bit older that have done it for a long time and what the reflections are. And we're going to talk a little bit about Trav and I's living situation. Yeah, so it's going to be a, it's going to be a good one. It's going to kind of wrap this segment up, hopefully. And uh, also, we know that that was a lot. And if you made it through the whole way, like, congrats to you. Uh, we see the numbers. We do. We can actually <laughs> we know see who's far, making it to the end. <laughs> we can see how far people make it uh, in general. So... Um, for the people making it all the way, we see that, and uh, good on you. We're going to do side episodes uh, off the main storyline to keep things light, to keep things fun, to put in anything that we think is important, but maybe not necessarily on the storyline. Uh, and we got a pretty funny one coming up where Robbie and I just get drunk and answer <laughs> questions, and, and we go, it's actually hilarious. I laughed out loud listening back, editing it the Yeah, other day. me as well. Um, and we have some segments that- Yeah, we have some fun segments that we're gonna uh, implement as well. You know, uh, some of our friends we're gonna speak to, and we've got some ideas that we're cooking up with them. So it should be fun. But keep you gotta an, pay attention. Keep an eye out for it. And, uh, oh, as well, we're still doing the giveaway. So January 31st is when we're announcing the winners. 31st. And all you have to do is like our page on Facebook and leave a comment or leave a review on, on iTunes. iTunes. Yeah. And, you know, it wouldn't hurt if you put your actual name because uh, we're finding it's a little harder to... <laughs> I don't know who John Cena 420 is, but if you could identify yourself, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe just leave your name in the comments below or something, but uh, we, we did enjoy your comment. It was funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's... Uh, that's the first real episode on the storyline, Too Many Jams. The next mainline episode will be in two weeks. And uh, hopefully in between now and then we'll have some mini episodes or side episodes for you. Maybe some songs, some content on the Facebook page. So make sure you like, subscribe, comment. And, and if you want to reach us at all. If you have message us on Facebook, feedback, or if you know us personally, give us a text. Like we got so much feedback from the first one. It was actually, it was fun to hear about it. It was fun to hear. And it, it gave us the ex excitement and motivation to keep it coming. Yeah. Um, so thank you guys. Thanks guys. And see you next Tuesday. <laughs>